Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. Praise the Lord. Y'all stand and worship with us this morning. Marching out in victory, hallelujah, I am free. 
chapter 1 starting at verse number 3 I thank my God in all remembrance of you always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now we all need to hear this because this gives us hope Paul says for I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Look at your neighbor and tell him you are a work in progress. Huh. Let's pray. God, I thank you right now. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we have this opportunity to be in your house. God, I thank you for the presence that we have felt in this place. And God, right now, Lord, this praise team has set the table. So now, Lord, I just ask, God, that as we eat your word, God, let us not just hear it, but let us be doers of your word. Let it penetrate our hearts, our minds, our thoughts. God, let your word do exactly what you've called it to do. Change us. And God, we thank you this morning, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I love that verse, and I want to read it again. And if you have your Bible, if you want to go with me over into Genesis chapter 27 and 28, we're going to be there in just a moment. We're still going to be talking about Jacob this morning, but I'm, I'm glad that God is not done with me yet. Talena, there's still hope. So she's probably going to put that on the, the on the the mirror somewhere so she knows there's hope for me. For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now let's get back over here into Genesis chapter 27 and let's look at this crazy mess of Jacob. Well, I'm going to say Jacob but Rebecca as well. Genesis chapter 27, and I want to go at verse 5, and I'm going to read down just a little bit to about verse 13. But it says, Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and, bring, and to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now before, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you, go now to the flock 
and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so that he may bless you before his death. Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will fill me. Then I will be a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go get one of them for me. Now here we are in this mess we started last week as Esau began, he sells out his birthright, his brother Jacob schemed and, and got that. But here's what I want us to understand through this story of Jacob today as we continue looking at this character in the Bible. But one sin will lead to another sin. Anybody, your mom and dad used to tell you, son, if you lie you got to tell another lie to make up for the first lie and then you keep then you get so far and you forget the lie but one sin leads to another and we all know that but Jacob's doubtful business deal over his birthright has gotten him in a predicament now both mom and son move to outright deception of dad Isaac Although Esau, just a few days ago, willingly gave Jacob his birthright over a bowl of red stuff or a bowl of beans, the incident brought on Jacob with his mother. They go and make bad things worse. Now they're on this second step of a downward spiral that is unquestionably condemnable. Now think about this. This is the frightful reality. One unsettled sin will lead to another sin. That is why when we sin, we better deal with it then. That's why it is important that the Bible says that when I sin, Daff, Daffy, I've got an advocate with the Father, Jesus, who is right now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. Rebecca just happens to be listening at the door. She's not eavesdropping. But here she is at the door of the tent and she hears Isaac arranging to give the older son Esau the blessing. Now this will never do. So she calls Jacob and they, they, they did it. They pulled it off. I mean, they fooled old man Isaac with goat skins and goat stew and they tricked him into giving the blessing that was meant for the older son to the younger son Jacob. Now think about this story. The fact that Rebecca, the mother, commanded her son Jacob to do what she told him, that did not get Jacob off the hook. Jacob could have turned to the Lord and said, Lord, it wasn't really me. It was my mama. What could I do? You know, you told me to honor mom and dad. 
Kids, well, I'll say teenagers, preteens, teens, young adults, adults. We are responsible for our choice. Jacob was responsible for his choice. There is a point where you should not obey mom and dad. And that point is when they ask you to lie, cheat, steal, or do anything that is wrong. And any parent that would have their children do that, you probably should like not have any more kids. But Jacob apparently agrees with his mom. So mom's right. If we don't hurry, if we don't make this deal, Esau could come back with a kill. He could cook it just like dad likes it. And Isaac, dad, is going to eat and drink and give my older brother Esau the blessing that is meant for me. So then all God's plans for my life is going to fail and everything's going to be miserable. We got to help God out. Yeah, we're doing a good job at that. Jacob may have thought, if I do not get the blessing, God's plans for my life will not be fulfilled. In fact, God may be dishonored if I don't get the blessing. Then what would happen? We really must do what we can, Mom. We've got to pull this off because the end justifies the means in this case. So let's pull off this deceiving, despiteful trickery. Many of us have been confronted time and time again with choices of how far we should obey somebody. Jacob probably went through this type of temptation, but it never pays to do the wrong thing. You notice that immediately after Jacob's deception, after Jacob makes the choice, the horror and the the fear begins to set in with Jacob. Wherever you cheat, whenever you lie, whenever you steal, whenever you, you cheat, deceive, lie, steal, any of those things, a convicting spirit begins to settle on you that is called the sweet Holy Ghost. And it settles on your soul and it never leaves you until you make that thing right. What if I get caught? What if I get exposed? What if, what if, what if? Nothing is settled until it's settled right. Now, if a person is deceptive and cheats, whether it's on their husband or their wife or in a business deal, whatever it is, they feel that conviction. They feel that fear that haunts them the rest of their life or until the day that person settles that sin with God and the person. See, a lot of times we like to go to God and say, God, forgive me, but we forget about the part that we got to go to our brother and make it right. It's quiet now. That's why a lot of people struggle on their deathbeds. 
Because here they are and they know the next breath could be their last one and they've got things that are unsettled in their life because I forgot to apologize to David. I got to, I forgot to apologize to Rob. I got to get a hold of Happy and tell him what I did to him. I got to get a hold of Randy and tell him how I mistreated him in front of some of his co-workers one time and I need to do all these things. That would be a miserable way to die. But the first person to panic is not Jacob, it's Rebecca. The moment she heard that Esau was planning to go kill, she schemed this thing up, and then they make it work, and then she says, you got to go. Your brother is kill- he's gonna, he's coming to kill you. You got to leave. Hurry, Jacob. So she gets him packed and gives him some biscuits and puts him on the road. And the two, I mean, they, then they make a third, they make another shady move. Remember, one sin leads to another. They lied to Isaac. Then using the lie that Jacob would never find a, a decent wife, you got to go, son, you got to leave. Rebecca clears the way for him to go leave and go wife hunting. What stupid girl wants to marry this guy? Jacob's running away. And most people who experience what we call a breakdown, a lot of times it's because they're trying to run away from some horrible thing or cover up something they did, something they're trying to fix and cover up instead of dealing with it and fixing it. Man, you all are quiet. Notice how the, 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 the illustration of how God's government works. Paul said it best. What a man reaps, what a man sows, a man reaps. I get so sick and tired of hearing people saying, I don't know why God would do this to me. No, your stupid decision Got you to the place that you are. Hey, God's graceful and he he might be a little lenient with you, but you're still going to reap what you sowed. We had a gentleman at New Martinsville. He passed away several years ago, but Jim Belford always used to say, he said, my biggest prayer to God is that I have crop failure. (laughs) But here he is. I mean... Reaping and sowing this whole story, Isaac, the father, got what he deserved because he was a weak parent who loved his son because he cooked good. He sets himself up by his immature favoritism. Esau asked for it because he rejected his birthright privileges. Jacob paid dearly for his deception. I mean, the, the, he, he made, the statement is made in the Bible that he wasted the choicest 20 years of his life. Think about that. The best 20 years of his life was wasted because of deception. Is it worth it? Rebecca. How sad that she chose to push her son to deception to the point, Randy, she never even got to see her son again. 
She pushed him away and said, go find a wife. And Rebecca died before Jacob ever returned home. That's the way the government of God operates. And so many times it appears as if everything is out of control in your family, in the church, in the world. But really it isn't. God is in control. Corona did not catch God by surprise. Riots and looting and all the stuff, the racism and all the stupid that's going on in the world right now did not catch our God by surprise. God does not have a plan B. He's got a plan. And we're part of it. God is in control of the whole affair and everyone and every situation. I mean, he governs the universe. And here's the thing. Sowing and reaping. We're going to get what's coming to us. We are going to reap what we sow. I struggled with a friend of mine several years ago. Her mother was passing away of lung cancer. Good friends of, uh, of my family. And she just messaged me one day and she said, Mick, I am struggling with the fact that God would let my mom die this horrible death. And she did not like the next words that came out of my mouth because remember, people don't like the truth. And I told her, I said, God did not do this to your mother. Your mother chose a life of two packs of cigarettes a day that caused this result. We got to think about that. I mean, our choices, we reap what we sow. But Jacob, I mean, he thought he got away with the scheme. He, but he never enjoyed any benefits from the shady dealings that he did with his butt. I mean, it was a total waste of time for brother Jacob. Why do we try to implement God's plan man's way? And why is it that all of us try it? It's the hardest thing as a pastor for you to know that you hear the voice of God say, this is what I want for your family, for your life, for this church. Okay, God, how do I get out of the way and let you do this? How do I operate in the way of this ain't my thinking, this is your thinking, and this is what you want to... It's the hardest thing in the world to do because sometimes I think I know more than God. And God, you're not doing this quick enough. We needed this yesterday. The Apostle Paul did it. Sometimes we don't like to mention the negatives about Paul, but Paul made some crucial mistakes in his ministry. He was human. Acts chapter 21 verse 4 says, After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. But just a few verses down, look what happens in verse 11 through 14 of Acts 21. And coming to us, he took 
Paul's belt and bound his feet and hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard of this, we as well as the local residents began begging Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered and said, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, The will of the Lord be done. That is not what they should have said. That, I don't like that last line. The will of the Lord be done because what they should have said is let the will of Paul be done. Because God by prophecy told Paul, he said, don't go. He even sent another prophet who got dramatic and said, I mean, he took Paul's belt off and, and bound him up and said, this is what's going to happen, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem. And Paul, in his self-assured, cocky attitude, said, You softies, you're breaking my heart. I'm willing to go to Jerusalem. I'm willing to die for the Lord. And that sounds all Christian and sounds all godly. But the fact is, God didn't ask Paul to go to Jerusalem and die for him. He did specifically ask him, however, not to go to Jerusalem. Twice. But in a moment of self-confidence, Paul goes anyway, and that is about the end of Paul's travels, other than jail. Now God used Paul's heir. He, I mean, even when we mess up, is that not the awesomeness of God? His love remains. I mean, nothing can separate. Even when we make stupid choices, God takes our heir and still uses it. God's going to accomplish his purpose on this earth regardless. No matter what mistakes we make, what sins we commit, or how disobedient we persist on being, God is going to do something. But we reap the harvest, Randy, of our mistakes. Paul paid for his mistakes. God used it for good. Yes, we clearly see that. And that's why Paul even said, all things work together for the good. But that does not mean that it was God's best for us. I think that's where we struggle. We just think because we're going through it, God meant for it to happen. No, sometimes we do stupid and we get ourselves in that place. And God did not want us to be there, but he's still going to use us while we're there. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean that sometimes my difficulties are because of my choices. But thank God he still can. Thank God he can still work all things together for my good. You see, we reap what we sow and sometimes that means, Rob, I mess up God's best for my life. 
We don't like to hear this stuff a lot of times, but sometimes I mess up God's best for my life. We have, I mean, now we begin to see this third step in Jacob's down, downhill road that he's going. Him and his mom, he, they've schemed and they've plotted, not trusting God for the plans for their lives. And now God Almighty is bringing Jacob to a place for the very first time that Jacob is about to meet God face to face. Genesis 28, verse number 10. Then you shall, or I'm in 27, 28, verse 10 through 15. Then Jacob departed from Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and spent the night there because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of the place and put it under his head and lay down in that place. He had a dream and behold, a ladder was set on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth and you will also be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and the south and you and your descendants shall be, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Now this is the guy that was just shady with his dad and his brother. It's... I mean, it's a fantastic affirmation of who God is. I mean, he still reveals his faithful character. I believe that God wills to do the same thing in every one of our lives. I, if we're married, I believe God speaks to us as a family. If we're single, I believe God speaks to us as individuals. But Jacob was at a point where he's unmarried, and God speaks to Jacob and his descendants. He begins to talk about Jacob's family. Now, some of you singles that are here this morning, you need to hear this from me. Stop bouncing from relationship to relationship. If you trust him as a single, then guess what? He's going to ready somebody for you. He's going to bring somebody into your life who he's already shown the same direction to them that he's showing you. People say, I don't know why I can't find a good man. Because you keep bouncing from one to the other. I don't know why I can't find a good woman. Because you're bouncing to every one of them. Sit still, date God, and let him put the perfect person in your life. Jacob's single and God's already talking about his family. Different subject. He would, I mean... Think about this. He would have done the same thing for Jacob if he would have just rested in God rather than Jacob's always trusting in his own schemes. 
The Holy Spirit takes scripture and speaks directly to our hearts. And he says to you specifically, he says to Jacob, he said, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this in your life. I will do it. I promised you. And if you'll only let me, there's no limit to what I can do in your life if you're ready to let me work. That's what he's trying to tell every one of us. What has God said to you personally by the way of promise? Miss Patty, my Bible says that God's promises are yes and amen. So if God's promised it and I ain't got it, it ain't his fault. Have we spent enough time in the presence of God? I mean, alone, even as couples, how many of us truly, and I'm going to step on my own feet right here, how many of us as couples get down at an altar together and hold hands and say, we're going to pray God's will over our family. God, what's your plan for my family? And not now I lay me down to sleep. We say we want God. He wants you too. In fact, he wants you personally with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Not just your free moment. Oh, boy. Let me get done with my busy schedule, God, and I'll give you all my leftovers. Jacob, God Almighty, meets with him, stands before him, gives him this tremendous personalized promise. God wants to give us personalized promises if we will spend time with him. God gave similar promises all throughout the Bible before Jacob and even after Jacob. But this was Jacob's hour alone with God, Happy. How many of us can say we've had that kind of encounter? How many of us can say we want that kind of encounter? Isaiah chapter 48, 18 says, If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Isn't that what every person, not just a believer, but is that not what every person wants their life to be like? Inner peace, peace like a river, quiet and steady. There's something, I mean, some of y'all got cabins by the, the river. There's something peaceful about just sitting on a river with a fishing pole in your hand. But if only you had paid attention to my commandments. Now, to think that God has given us this enormous book of instructions and promises and truth. And if only we would take it and digest it. And Davy, he said, pay attention. There are millions and millions of people who were brought up on the Bible. In Sunday school, every Sunday. And today, they are paying dearly for wasted years. 
the tears, the confessions, the crying, the, the sympathizing, the, the counseling, it never gets back the wasted years. Talena and Lisa's grandfather got saved and found out later that he was eat up with cancer and he told his son Stanley if I'd have only known this years ago I would not have wasted my life think about that how many of us have wasted our lives? All of us have relatives and, and friends who, after years of alcoholism or immorality or whatever, any sinful living that they've done, and they've wasted the absolute best portion of their life. Possibly that's you. And all it brings is brokenheartedness. Yes, they come to, to Christ at some point and, and they repent and do all those things. And yes, they're spiritually, they're new creations in Christ. But physically and mentally and psychologically, these people and their families, they have scars. And it takes years and sometimes it never happens. To, you just can't erase it. Jacob tries to bargain with God. Check this guy out. Go to verse 18 of 28. So Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on its top. He called the name of the place Bethel. However, previously the name of the city had been Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This stone which I have set up on this pillar will be God's house and of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth back. Now think about this. What a vow. Who in the world asked Jacob to make a vow in the first place? God, if you'll be with me, if you'll watch over me in this journey, and I mean, your will be done, if you'll give me food and you'll give me clothes, and if you'll give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And to show what he, God, and just to show you that I'm really, really a nice guy, Good old Jacob said, I'll build a house right on this stone where I poured some oil. He promised to give God a tenth of his profits. That tenth is still relevant today. Just throw that out there. But Jacob is something else. This is incredible because Jacob, God just showed him face to face that he had an encounter on a ladder. He saw angels ascending and descending and God thunders his voice down. And now Jacob has the audacity to turn to God and say, Lord, I've got a contract for you. It's only got five points, but it's really clear. It's simple. You shouldn't have no problem with this, God. All you have to do, God, follow these five points. And Lord... And then you can't imagine what a nice servant that you're going to have on your team. It's going to be really awesome that you got me on your side. 
We laugh. But isn't that the game we play with God? God, if you'll prosper me. God, if I get good grades. God, if this business deal goes through. God, if everything goes my way. God, if you'll give me this house. God, if you'll let me get this car. Then one of these days, I'm going to go back to church. Man, that must have made the Lord feel great. Jacob was being very spiritual. I mean, he made an awesome promise. But the question is, who even asked him to make the promise? We have to realize who God is. All Jacob thought about in the deal was a total waste of his breath. God, if you'll give me food, if you'll give me clothing, if you'll give me protection, if you'll give me territory. He doesn't even mention, God, if you'll show me your purpose. Is that not our prayer? A lot of times. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And nowhere in the five, ten minutes we give him do we say, what's your purpose for my life? Jacob, and only Jacob, is on his mind, and he dares to bargain with God. Now is what happens as he's covering up sins, he's covering up wrongdoings, and, and, and Randy confusion is setting in. Jacob is not thinking straight. He forgot who he was talking to. And I've come to find out in my life that sin that's not dealt with blinds us. What are we covering up? Why are we trying to make a deal with the Lord? You're wasting your time. You don't realize how confused your thought process is when you begin to bargain with God. Jacob and Rebekah tried to cover up their sin with a bunch of good-sounding ideas. Jacob, you go over there to your uncle's house and you marry a nice girl. Why should he marry a nice girl and mess her up? He's a crook. Why would any girl want to marry Jacob? Hey, honey, let me tell you how I got here. Me and my mom. Oh, you're just, you sound like my kind of man. Can we get married? It does sound like the world we live in today, but <laughs> you don't make deals with, the, with, with God. He initiates them with us. His plans are far better and much better than my plans because his plans are perfect for my life. But we're so stubborn. Do not waste the best years of your life. If God has his hand on you, he will never let you go. Remember Philippians 1 and 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He'll do it. But what if you act stubbornly if you don't follow his desire? I am confident of this very thing. It took God a hundred years with Jacob. 
But I promise you this, God's going to complete the plan for your life, but you're also going to pay for your stubbornness. It's going to hurt, and it could be a long hurting period. I don't know. But however, we have this promise this morning, and I want us all to catch this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the patience of God. That is also the provision of God for our sins. After all, he's the God of Jacob. He even told him, he said, I am the God of Jacob. This deceiving heel grabber. And he says time and time, I am the God of Jacob. As the praise team comes. A lot of people read these words in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. For in him, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. Yet, we keep begging and looking for what we already have. Instead of saying, thank you, Father, that in Christ Jesus dwells the fullness of God. And because Christ is God 100% and because Christ lives in me, I am complete in Christ. Instead of stating that, we see people, church people, chasing around all over the place looking for blessing. That's insulting to our God. Because Paul said, in him you have been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. It's like whipping out a contract like Jacob did and saying, God, if you'll give me this gift or if you'll give me that gift, if you'll provide this or you'll provide that, if you'll do it just right, you might be my Lord. Hear me this morning. In Christ, we have every single thing that God ever planned for us. Everything. And most Christians live empty, unsatisfied lives because they've rejected God's offer. God's offer is marvelous, it's perfect, and Daffy, it's complete. What else could we want? That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all the other stuff comes, I mean, it comes with it. We insist on writing our own contract. We can't bargain with God. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Can we all this morning just repeat this? Let's confess this this morning. Lord, forgive me. I've been childish. I've been acting from the flesh. 
just like Jacob, but no more. I want to thank you that you blessed me with your son, and he lives in me. In him, I have everything I'll ever need. I'm complete. Thank you. We have to make the discovery that Christ lives in us. Church, that's not just a doctrinal fact. That has to become a living reality. How many times do we thank God for living inside of us? How many times have we thanked him because everything that he is and everything that he has is ours? I know a lot of people that know a lot of doctrine. But have we been made complete in him? If you just prayed that prayer with us for the first time and you meant it. Nobody looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. Will you raise your hand this morning and say, I'm ready to declare... Jesus as Lord. If that's you this morning and you're here and you're saying, I'm not complete and I'm ready today to declare Jesus is Lord. Would you raise your hand right now? I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise. But if you're here and you'll say that, Romans says that if we accept Jesus, if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth, how many this morning is ready to confess and declare Jesus to be Lord of their lives? Would you raise your hand? I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you're ready to make that decision today, Here's what I want to tell you, though, and I say this with all love. If you have not and you will not, that's why you will always be empty and confused. Open your heart to him today by a simple prayer that says, I accept you, I believe in my heart, and I confess, and I declare you as Lord and Savior. To the church that's already received Christ, stop desperately searching around, looking for something that you already have. You're complete. Stop making contracts with God and start thanking Him for what He's done. Remember, I said it earlier. The Holy Spirit takes Scripture and speaks directly to our hearts. And he's saying specifically this morning, I want to do this and this and this for your life. I want to do it. I will do it. I've promised I'll do it. If you'll only let me. 
There's no limit to what I am capable of doing in your life. What has God said to you personally by the way of promise? Have you spent enough time in the presence of God? I said it earlier, we say we want God, but I'm telling you this morning, God wants you. Personally and with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Who wants that kind of relationship this morning? If that's you, if you want to love him with everything you got, can we stand to our feet and throw our hands to heaven and begin to sing this song with this praise team? Right now, if that's you, stand to your feet, raise your hands, and let's sing this song. service Larry Grass called and he's got Deborah at the hospital at the ER uh, he, he does not want me to give out any info right now but she's in desperate need of prayer he's going to call me back after church and let me know uh, what all's going on there but he did ask for the women to gather around and, and pray for her so if some of you ladies would come let's anoint Sister Patty and let's pray for Debbie Grass this morning
Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.